Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Stamm continues walking us through the Jewish feasts and holidays, and Greg Patton will be living in today's world. We are exactly one month away from our first Clarity to the Chaos Conference of 2023, February 17th and 18th in Niceville, Florida. Speakers include Doug Stoffer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, Micah Van Huss, and Josh Davis. Reserve your seats today by visiting the events page of our website, swrc.com, or give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Now, let's go inside the studio and join Dr. Kenneth Hill and Larry Stamm for part two of Walking Through the Jewish Feasts and Holidays. Larry Stam, we have anticipated this get-together for quite a while. We knew that you were working on this project, and then to see it come to fruition is fantastic because you are the linchpin. If we didn't have you to teach us the things that you're teaching us, we would be at a loss, and so we are very happy to have you. Which one are we going to start with? Let's start with Passover. All right, let's start with Passover. Hmm. When I see the blood, I will pass over you is a hymn, some words from a hymn. Is that what this is talking about? God instituted the Feast of Passover biblically in Exodus chapter 12. Your listeners may remember in the original Passover when God brought the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. He used Moses, the deliverer, if you will. He commanded them to place the blood of an unblemished lamb on the doorposts of their homes so that when the angel of death came, that was the last plague, remember the death of the firstborn, the tenth of the tenth plagues, that God would see the blood on the doors and would pass over. That's where we get the name Passover. So the original Exodus story, when we see the biblical Passover, was the physical redemption of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Now we come to John chapter 1, verse 29. Yochanan, the baptizer, better known to us as Christians as John the Baptist, looks at Yeshua, the Jewish way to say Jesus. John the Baptist looks at Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29, and he says, These striking words that many of your listeners are familiar with. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And just as the ancient Israelites had to place the blood on the doorposts of their homes so that the angel of death would pass over, so each one of us as human beings must place the blood of the Messiah by faith on the doorposts of our hearts that we might be spared the ravages of spiritual death. And so there is the connection. Jesus is our Passover lamb, and he is the fulfillment. While the physical Exodus and the physical Passover that we find in Exodus 12 is a foreshadowing of the ultimate spiritual deliverance from the bondage of sin that Jesus accomplishes for us through his death and resurrection, Kenneth. So it's a beautiful thing. And what I do 
in the Christ and the Passover teaching is I lay out a traditional Passover Seder. I explain what a Seder is. By the way, your listeners may be familiar with the fact that the Last Supper was a Jewish Passover Seder. Seder is a Hebrew word meaning order because the Passover celebration follows a specific order of service. And it was there at the Passover, the Last Supper, that Jesus will institute for us as Christians our communion service. So what we do in the Christ and the Passover teaching is we explain the traditional Passover Seder. We talk about a picture of Christ and his redemptive work and all the symbols and elements. We also talk about the origin of communion, which we also find in the Passover meal. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture of redemption. And it will really help Christians better understand not only the Seder meal, but will help them better understand the gospel of Jesus. And so all of this is seen in this meal? It is. I unpack and explain every symbol and element. For example, just as one example, the matzah, the unleavened bread, which we have at a Seder meal, it is unleavened, a picture of a sinless nature. We see there, even in modern matzah, if you will, your listeners may be familiar with what a matzah cracker looks like. There are holes and stripes in it that the machines make. But we see in those holes and stripes also a picture of God's redemptive work through the person and work of Messiah Jesus. For example, in Isaiah 53, the Bible says about the work of Messiah on our behalf, that he was pierced for our transgressions, and by his stripes we are healed. When we see that unleavened bread, we have... A package there that gives us insight into the very mind of God when he sent his son, his only begotten son, to die for you and for me, the Jewish and the Gentile. Here Christ gave himself on the cross, and it is commemorated in this Seder, this supper, this meal, and it is given to the Jewish folks a long time before Christ himself appears. How many years were they using the Passover meal on an annual basis to bring their hearts to God? It was up until 70 A.D., if your listeners remember, it was 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed. Up until that time, every year at Passover, remember God instructed Jewish men to come and worship him during three specific festivals, namely Passover, Pentecost, otherwise known as Shavuot, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, Kenneth. When the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., so was the altar where the sacrifices were offered, where those Passover lambs were offered. So from that time to this day, no sacrifices have been offered at the temple on Passover. And Jesus said the temple would be destroyed. He predicted it would be. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We no longer have to put our faith in the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats because We put our faith in the blood of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb, Jesus. 
for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. So it's been 2,000 years since Jewish people have at the temple offered up sacrifices at Passover because there is no longer an altar at the temple. Let's talk for just a moment about the Feast of Tabernacles. What does that show us? First of all, describe it and then give us an insight. God institutes all the feasts of Israel in Leviticus 23. That's really the beginning of one study. If you want to study the feasts of Israel as originally given by God, start with Leviticus 23. The Feast of Tabernacles, otherwise known as Sukkot, commemorates God's faithfulness, Kenneth, and his provision and his protection during the Jewish people's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The Feast of Tabernacles occurs on the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar, the sacred month of Tishri. Tishri is the holiest month on the Hebrew calendar, and during the month of Tishri, you have the Feast of Trumpets, otherwise known as Rosh Hashanah. You have 10 days later, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, where the Jewish people will ask God to forgive their sins and to place their name in the Book of Life. And five days later, we come to Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, commemorating God's faithfulness during the Israelites' 40 years in the wilderness. Now, Kenneth, some people say we Jewish folk don't like to go camping anymore because we spent 40 years in the wilderness doing it. But God actually commands that every year we go camping so that we would never forget our 40 years in the wilderness where God in his faithfulness directed us by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night. So even today around the world, religious Jewish people will erect a sukkah booth and they will, these are temporary huts. God commanded the children of Israel to both build and live in temporary huts for one week each year. And it would be a picture of the transitory nature of life, but it will also be a picture of God's protection, of God's provision, and of God's presence. When we think of God being with us, we are reminded that when God himself has promised to always be with us and to never leave us nor forsake us, and in this Feast of the Tabernacles, you see that in the representation of this feast, this time of rejoicing when they come together. But how many days are they in the uh, tabernacles? For seven days. For seven days. And that represents the 40 years in the wilderness, doesn't it? It's a picture, yes. God commanded them to build and to live in those temporary Hatsukabus for seven days each year. But it would be a reminder of God's faithfulness Absolutely. during their 40-year wilderness wandering. We're very familiar with, as Christians, in John chapter 1, where the Bible says in verses 1 and 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1, Kenneth, the Word of God says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or tabernacled among us. The Christian life, we are called in the book of Peter, sojourners. We are strangers in a strange land. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. This idea of wilderness wandering and God's faithfulness amidst the wilderness wandering is applicable not only for the Jewish people, specifically during the Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles, but Kenneth, 
it's also germane for us as Christians because this world is not our home. We are on our way to a heavenly home, namely the New Jerusalem. So the motif of God's faithfulness, of his provision, of his protection in the wilderness is applicable for us as Jewish people. In the New Testament Gospel of John, in John chapter 7, we find Jesus teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he will talk about the living water. He will talk about the fact that he has water to give that will quench the very soul. And we find him talking about that living water earlier in John chapter 4 as he witnessed to the Samaritan woman. In John chapter 8, there he refers to himself as the light of the world, declaring, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What I do in this teaching, Kenneth, is in about 35 minutes, what I will do is I will take the viewer of this teaching into the book of Leviticus, talk about the origination of the Feast of Tabernacles. We will then move to Jesus teaching about himself in John chapter 7 and 8, and we will then conclude in John chapter 21, where John, the revelator, will talk about the fact that God will tabernacle with us forever in glory, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, when we are looking at the DVDs, we have a personal moment, a personal time with Larry Stam. We have a personal time, one-on-one, with Larry Stam teaching us about these feasts, the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles, in particular on these DVDs, this set of educational materials that we have set up for you. And this is part of the TV series of walking through the Jewish holidays. And when we start thinking about the various feasts, if we think of Passover, we think of salvation, and we think of God's provision for us and his safety that he gives us. Uh, If we think of Feast of Tabernacles, we are reminded of God's grace and goodness where he says, I will abide with you. And so we find ourselves agreeing with Almighty God and we say, yes, we want you to abide with us. And yes, we want to be abiding with you. And then you teach us from these feasts, you teach us how to best understand what God has been trying to teach his people and the world at large now. He wants to teach us these things so we may follow him more perfectly, that we might be what God would have us to be, doing the work that God has called us to do. Amen to that. It's a joy to be able to, again, collaborate with Southwest Radio to produce these teaching DVDs. People can order 
either the Passover or the Tabernacles teaching alone, or they can get the set along with the Hanukkah teaching. Order either individually or as a three-pack if they would like to do so. They could also order two if they'd like. Well, I have a feeling that once they get the first one, whichever it may be for them, they'll want the rest of them as well because they are professionally done and they are made for you, my friend. Larry Stam has spent years honing his craft, as it were, getting ready to teach the truths that he teaches in these DVDs. Now, does that mean that he knows everything? No, but it means he knows the God who knows everything. (laughs) And it means he knows the one who has prepared everything for us. It is indeed God's grace and goodness as he works with us. And we are thankful for that very thing indeed. I appreciate you greatly, Brother Larry Stam. And I want to say thank you to those who are listening now and who are going to be ordering one or more of these DVDs. You're going to be amazed at what you're going to learn. It'll be an easy education as you learn from the teaching of Larry Stam. So my friend, we want you to be blessed knowing that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things and also knowing that with these DVDs you become better equipped to share your faith with those who need to hear the gospel. And may we do that together, sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. Both days of Larry Stamm's presentation on the Jewish Feast are available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. Today we're featuring the brand new DVD series by Larry Stamm, Walk Through the Jewish Feasts and Holidays. Larry looks deeply into the Feast of Tabernacles, the holiday commemorating God's faithfulness to the Jewish people during their wilderness wanderings, the Feast of Passover on the origin of communion and its symbols and elements, and Hanukkah, its meaning and importance to Christian life. Walk Through the Jewish Feasts and Holidays is available today on DVD when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Greg Patton, author and conference speaker, comes now for another look at living in today's world. So i got to ask, how is 2023 working out for you so far? Oftentimes I've thought about how much better life might be for me. I did this a whole lot before I was saved. How much better it might be if I just had money everywhere fortune untold. (laughs) What a dream. And yet many people have that dream. And for some, it actually comes true. What would it be like if you were rich today? What did it say there in the Bible? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Can you do both? Be rich, get to heaven. Here's a thought. 
So what would it be like if today you were a millionaire ten times over? A rock-solid winner, we would say. No strings attached. Satisfaction guaranteed in life. Have you ever thought about it? I mean, thought about being rich, maybe a millionaire, having lots of money, not a care in the world, at least financially. Come on now, have you ever thought about it? Most of you probably don't play the lottery or any of those perchance games, but what if you did? And what if you won? Okay, here's one of those real-life stories. Really? David said, I can't really put into words what it felt like to learn that I had won $10 million. Can you imagine? Not only was the amount of the money simply too staggering for me to comprehend, he said, but it came at a point in my life where I was just as broke as I had ever been in my life. I was a struggling student. I had no job, and I was down to my last 50 cents. Wait a minute. Oh, and I was living with mom and dad. In short, I was just the average <laughs> fifth grader in America. But there it was, just like manna from heaven, the publisher's clearinghouse heaven, that is. A big gold envelope addressed to me and emblazoned with the news. Congratulations. There's my name. You're a guaranteed winner of $10 million. Reply to us at once. I was set. I had it made in the shade now. Suddenly, the importance of completing my mathematics homework was utterly ridiculous. Why? If I needed any math done, I'd simply hire a teacher and do all of it for me. And while that teacher was at it, he could also cut the grass in my new 150-acre front yard. What's more, because he made me stand in the corner, because I melted those crayons on the ancient radiator that served as a classroom heater, he could also pick up my dogs. I plan to have lots and lots of dogs. I think I want St. Bernard's. I broke the news to my mom as she whipped up some brownie mix there in the bowl. I just won $10 million in the mail, Mom, I shouted, waving the envelope in an enthusiastic and festive manner of the newly rich in America today. Mom was strangely calm in light of the momentous announcement. Read the fine print there, dear. Find the word if, she advised. If, it says if, well, son, then there's no guarantee at all. She was failing to grasp the enormity of this good news I have, but it says that I am a guaranteed winner, Mom. She pointed to that little asterisk next to the rock-solid promise, that little thing that looks like a star. It means read the fine print. So I went to my room, and I poured over every cleverly crafted line there. This says rock-solid guarantee $10 million if you have the winning number. As long as your number matches the secret number locked in our secure vault, sign up for at least one magazine, or we may be forced to remove you from our mailing list and banish you from all future hopes of ever potentially being a possible guaranteed recipient. It was then that I kind of developed my lifelong aversion to the legalese in America today. But magazine hawkers are by no means the only culprits out there. Deceptive religions play that same kind of linguistic game, do they not? They lure people in with a rock-solid, guaranteed good news program that God loves you so much that if you come to this church or join this church, 
He's going to give you a special place in heaven as long as you keep the commandments and perform various religious obligations and, and give us a mandatory percentage of your loot and step into the little spiritual hamster wheel and start your exhausting scampered into nowhereville. I grew up in a religion that paid lip service to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but inserted it enough there with ifs and ands and buts and caveats and some cautions here and a few stipulations there and some other conditions, and all of it with a dependent clause to keep an army of attorneys arguing for years to come. The main point of that religiosity was that our behavior for all of us, while the focus of authentic Christianity is on Jesus Christ and his behavior on our behalf, it's Jesus, it's not how well I perform, right? Well, now this boy's a man, and when I viewed my standing with God as based on my obedience, I was in constant nail-biting jeopardy. How good is good enough for Almighty God? One day, a couple of friends asked me to read a few passages out of the Gospel of John and tell them in my own words what the statements actually said. So I found myself there staring at the words of Jesus and replied, well, it almost seems as if he's saying that if we believe in him, we can actually know, really know for sure, that we are going to go to heaven. Uh, but, of course, it can't actually mean that, can it? I started looking for the fine print, the asterisk there someplace, and I didn't find it anywhere. And over the next few months, guess what I learned? I learned that real Christianity doesn't have an if in there. It's not there. It is an absolute gift, and a gift is by definition something free. You can't earn a gift, and you can't obey a gift, and you can't, well, you can either take it or not take it. That's kind of the way it works, right? When Jesus offers mankind, exhausted man, busted up man, hopeless man, spiritually broke man a gift, he really means it. And the value of that gift of eternal life makes $10 million look like some chump change to many. Have you ever taken Jesus Christ up on his offer? If so, then you're a rock-solid winner. There are no ifs and no ands and no buts. No, you can't earn a gift. Let me say it again. You can't obey a gift. You can only take or not take a gift. It's a rock-solid guarantee. No strings attached. Satisfaction? Yep. Guaranteed. And we close as we usually do about real wealth. Talking spiritual now. Has there ever been a time in your life where you have cried out to Almighty God and asked Him to forgive you of your sins? And have you invited Jesus Christ into your life? Been born again? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, that's it. Today is the day of salvation. Why not ask him to forgive you of your sins and invite Jesus Christ into your life? It is a fantastic way to live and a fantastic way to die to the glory of God. Today we are debuting the brand new DVD series, Walk Through the Jewish Feasts and Holidays with Larry Stamm. This series looks deeply into the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Passover, and Hanukkah. Walk Through the Jewish Feasts and Holidays is available today on DVD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order this series online, swrc.com. The Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Passover, and Hanukkah. 
Order your copy of this exciting new series when you call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow we continue our teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy with Steve Butler. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.